for the past uh, several weeks, uh, this is week five, but uh, it's the fifth Sunday of January, um, we have been in this series that you see on the screen, A Firm Foundation, and that little tiny print I haven't fixed yet um, says, Following the Framework for Transformation. Following the Framework for Transformation. So the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, verse 29, says, Those whom God foreknew. Another way of saying those who would respond in faith to the saving gospel call of God, who God knew, those whom he knows, whom he foreknew before the foundation of the world, the Bible would say elsewhere. He, God, predestined us, those of us who are part of God's called, to be conformed to the image of his son, conformed or transformed, or the picture you can have is of a butterfly, but, but what a butterfly looks like before, <laughs> right? Caterpillars aren't as beautiful as butterflies. Is caterpillar? Yeah, right? But they, they morph, they, they transform into this gorgeous thing. And it really is a picture of our lives. God saves us, he calls us to himself as the gospel goes out, the good news of the person of Jesus the life he lived, the life that we're called to live, but we fall short, uh, his, his going to the cross in our place so we don't have to pay for our sin, um, the, the life and death of Jesus, his resurrection, that is the, the core kernel of what is called the gospel, the good news, right? So, so this, this message goes out and, and God is at work in us and at some point many of us have responded, we believe uh, but God doesn't take us to heaven. We're here. He doesn't take us immediately uh, because from the moment he saves us, uh, he, he is still saving us, and that's called sanctification or being conformed to the image of his son or being uh, transformed, uh, being morphed from that caterpillar-like state into this glorious butterfly. Um, turn to the, your neighbor and say, you look like a butterfly. No, don't do that. I'm kidding, but you're already doing it. You will look like a butterfly. Maybe you need to say that. So as we start this year, and again, now we're at week five, we've got one more message in this series next week. Um, we're thinking about how can we structure ourselves for transformation? So just like a home or anything that is built needs to have a framework and, and a good you know, structure to, to be built the way it's supposed to, God has given us in his word lots of things, and I told you all along in this series, I'm cherry-picking things that are on my heart and I want us to consider um, that are important for us in this transformation. And so the first three weeks, we talked about the Bible. We talked about um, living on God's word in 2023. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we've been thinking about that. Uh, we talked about that two weeks. Uh, we watched a Tim Keller sermon that essentially spoke on that as well, the experience in the Bible. Um, and then last week, um, if you were with us last week, we had a guest speaker and he um, completed what had been for many of us a full weekend on the topic of prayer. We had a transforming prayer weekend. And so Jeremiah last week uh, shared out of the book of Acts for this account of the early Christians, specifically Peter and James, who um, had been hassled for speaking the name of Jesus, and, and they were uh, kind of 
dealt harshly and, and they're told to not speak the name of Jesus anymore. And when they return to the rest of their brothers and sisters, they, they pray. Their, their response uh, is to pray. I jokingly said from over there, uh, what, what I do, I'd want to fight. Um, uh, but they, they don't. They, they pray. And, um, and the message last week was, was entitled, Prayer That God Wants to Answer. And uh, it's a great message. If you missed it, it's online. You can listen. Um, but prayer, seeking God's face because he's worthy, and, and then letting him speak to us in his word, and then praying in response uh, of his worth uh, and praising him, and, and, and then getting to our needs, that is a f- part of tr- being transformed. If, if we're going to be transformed into the image of Jesus, we need to seek God. We need to pray. Um, and so I, I want to continue that idea a little bit this morning with the passage you heard. Now, the plan, Lord willing, is that next week we're going to return to Acts chapter 2, that, that great passage uh, of the early church and, and the things that, that were true of them. And it, it I hope, will kind of bring like a bookend to these, these six weeks. Uh, but, but one more time, this idea of prayer this morning. And specifically, um, I want us to consider these, these words that you see on the screen. Pray first, talk second. Now, in a very general way, uh, that could be just a great, like, tool for you to keep, you know, on your tool belt of life, right? It's always good to have good tools. Um, I've got a couple of things going in our home. We've got a toilet we're working on in one bathroom, and so there's tools out for that. Uh, We had to replace one of the batteries in one of the cars yesterday, so uh, there's some tools uh, being used for that. My favorite tool in my house is my Burr coffee grinder. I use that tool every day, and without that tool, I wouldn't have ground coffee to make my, my pour over in the morning. So that's my favorite tool, but when I need to, I'll get my sockets out, my socket wrenches, and, and the other things to do, toilets and batteries and all that stuff, uh, which I don't enjoy, by the way, but um, it's necessary. Tools are important, and, and you all know that too, whether it's something in your kitchen, like a Burr grinder, whether it's something you use for home improvement, the right tool for the right job is very important. These, these words, this little sentence, pray first, talk second, that, that on a very general level is a good tool to have in life. Um, some of you know the words of uh, the Apostle James. He says in James 1, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to anger. And that's a good tool from God's word. And it's kind of like this first, right? If you're having a problem with someone, pray first, talk second. We tend to do this. We tend to talk, and then we pray. So, so you know, there, there's a freebie for you, just in general. Pray first, talk second. But I want us to consider those words uh, as it relates to what the Apostle Paul has to say here in Colossians 4. So we've already read the text. Um, and what we're going to see this morning is three things uh, related to this. Um, the Apostle Paul is going to tell us to pray first in general and for what I'm going to call mission, uh, missional gospel work. Okay, We're going to see pray first in general and for gospel advancement. And then we're going to see this idea of talk second. And I think uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see it with me in, in the text. In fact, if you're looking at your Bible, in the ESV, uh, the verbs are important. So verse 2 of chapter 4 
starts with continue steadfastly in prayer. That's the first verb. So we're going to talk about that. That's, that's why we say pray first. And then the next verb comes in verse 5. And the verb isn't about speaking exactly. It's about actually literally walking. So the next verb, verse 5, says walk in wisdom toward outsiders. But the idea in the New Testament to walk doesn't, Paul's not literally meaning, so as you go around outsiders, you know, walk <laughs> with wisdom. It's, it's a way of saying how you live your life, conduct yourself with wisdom. And then he unpacks it with regard to our speech. So that's why I'm using the second idea of speak second. Again, I think you'll, you'll see this. So let's take a look. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Pray first in general. So the passage begins, continue steadfastly. Um, that's just another way of saying be devoted to prayer. Now, now that, that wording, I, I'm, I'm hoping you're having some little light bulbs go off like, oh, I've heard that. Well, Acts chapter 1, the, the apostles, they were devoted to prayer as Jesus had ascended and he told them to gather and wait for the promised spirit, they were devoting themselves to prayer. They were continuing steadfastly in prayer. And then uh, if, if you were with us on Saturday last week for the prayer uh, summit, or the sorry, the prayer weekend, um, this was kind of the whole big thing that, that Jeremiah talked about. In Acts uh, 6, uh, you have this problem in verse 3, Acts 6, 3. There's, there's a need, and the need was that some people weren't getting their, their meal, and so um, leaders need to be uh, trained and equipped to take care of ministry needs. Then Acts 6, 4, the, the apostles, who in that context were the, the pastors, elders, the leaders of the church at the time, um, they were going to be devoted to, or they were going to continue steadfastly in prayer and the word. And, and so Acts 6, 3 Leaders being developed and equipped, Acts 6, 4, uh, the elders, the pastors, the leaders of the church being devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word brings about Acts 6, 7, 3 plus 4 is 7, easy to remember. And in Acts 6, 7, uh, the word multiplied and increased greatly. And, and so uh, that, that word devoted shows up. Uh, it's too bad the ESV translators didn't translate continue steadfastly as be devoted because we all would have made those connections just a little bit easier. But, but Paul is simply saying, continue steadfastly, be devoted. And he, he says there right at this, the beginning to, to, to prayer. Um, this isn't just probably generic prayer, but probably it's, it's requests. Now, um, you, know, you know, not to contradict Jeremiah, I love what he had to say to us last week uh, and, and over the weekend. We we are to seek God's face before we seek his hand. We, we are to be people that praise and, and then generally praise and then request. That, that is a better pattern than only always ask, 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 ask. Um, um, however, there are times we, we should ask and we need to. And um, so we should be devoted to prayer. We should be continuing to pray, to come before God with requests. Um, um, I, I encourage you sometime, if you're looking for a, a study to do, um, go to places like um, Colossians, uh, 
Philippians, the, the letters of Paul are, are a good one. And, and just study the things that he prays for and, and look at his requests. And, and there's a good pattern of good biblical prayer that emerges just in studying the way um, the apostle, but others, including Jesus, the way they pray. So again, very generally and generically, be devoted to prayer. Continue steadfastly in seeking God's face, in, in seeking his face, seeking his hand. Just keep at it, keep at it. But now he starts to drill down. And the next thing he says is to be watchful in it. Be watchful in your prayers. Now, probably this is, this is a challenge for a lot of us. Most scholars believe that Paul isn't just uh, you know, wanting you to make sure you don't fall asleep when you pray. Um, by the way, if you are inclined to lay down at night and, and to try to pray last thing before you, you go to bed, chances are you're going to go to bed pretty quickly. Um, I, maybe not. Um, if I'm needing to pray at the end of my day, I, I try not to do it when I'm laying down. I've been blessed with, generally speaking, the ability to be out within like 40 seconds uh, of hitting the pillow. Um, if, if all the conditions are right, you know, the, the noise-canceling headphones and the mask and, and whatever. But so this isn't about, you know, simply like, you know, don't lay down and pray, you know, try not to be lethargic when you pray. But, but when he says be watchful, um, probably he has in mind words that Jesus spoke. Jesus in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 spoke of being watchful in prayer. And, and it's the idea of looking for God to, to answer kind of generically, number one, be, be watchful for these things you're praying for. But also that language of being watchful, it, it shows up mostly related to the return of Jesus, his second advent. We, we are to be people that are watching, waiting, wanting, being eager for Jesus to return. Like I mentioned just a few moments ago in my prayer, um, come Jesus, come, right? When, when he comes, there's not gonna be senseless violence like we've been thinking about for the last few days. There's not going to be the, the darkness, the evil in our own hearts. Um, right? he, when he comes, he's coming and he's going to be doing away with evil and sin and wrong. And so 1 Corinthians 16, 22, uh, we have that phrase Maranatha. Maybe you've heard that before. That, that's simply um, the Aramaic uh, that translates uh, our Lord come. And so, you know, to pray Maranatha means to pray, come Jesus, come. And so to be watchful in prayer is to, to expect God to answer. You're, you're seeking his face, you're, you're seeking his hand, you're asking for things and, okay, God, I've been praying. And, and again, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. We could still be watchful in that. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Um, man, this is, this is a big kick in my rear end uh, personally. Um, I, I will pray for things, and, and then it's like, well, I've prayed for it. <laughs> I, I prayed one time for that one thing. And now it's in God's hands, you know, kind of like, you know, throwing the football to God. Okay, God, you caught it. It's yours now. And then I moved on. I, I think God wants us to be watchful. What are you doing, God, with that, that football I just threw to you? That, that, what's the play? What, how are you moving? How are you acting? And I remember to keep praying. And, and part of that is when he answers, we can thank him. We can praise him. 
We are to be watchful. And that leads to the third thing he says in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Just be devoted. Keep praying. Be watchful in your prayers. But then the third, with thanksgiving. And again, this is not new for the Apostle Paul or for the writers of Scripture. All throughout, they express gratitude to God and they thank God. And that's to be an essential thing in in our prayers. Um, I was thinking about this this week. when, when our oldest uh, daughter, Mina, was just six years old, um, Kristen and I decided uh, it'd be good for her to, to begin to memorize some scripture. And so one of the first verses uh, that we chose uh, we thought would be good for her was 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. And I, I think this is some kid's translation, but, but let me read it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, always be thankful. Love that phrase still. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me read that church one more time. Always be joyful. Keep on praying. Sounds like continue steadfastly in prayer. Be devoted to prayer. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So just in in your mind for a minute, take inventory. Um, Are your prayers characterized this way? In general, your prayers, are you continuing steadfastly? Are you devoted to it? Are, Are you watchful and expectant? And are you thankful? The Apostle Paul packs a lot (laughs) in that one little verse related to how we ought to pray. Here's the good news. If you go, man, no, (laughs) like zero for three uh, or one or two or whatever, like it's okay. God's grace is good. Just confess that, admit that, and and course correction, course correction, right? Um, it's It's like any sport, but why not think football for a moment, like we all are, and you're all worried about the clock. Don't worry, I'm aware of the clock too. Um, Halftime, no matter what's gone on, halftime is course correction time. That's when you, all right, we got a whole nother half a game. And so if your prayers don't match this, course correction, course correction, okay. So that's the first thing in verse two. Pray first in this sort of general way, the way we see the Apostle Paul lists. But now look at verses three and four, and let's think about praying first for gospel advancement. You see, Paul's mission in life um, really flows out of what what he's going to mention here. So let me read verses three and four. So besides continuing steadfastly in prayer, besides being watchful in it and and being thankful in your prayers, he's telling this church uh, those things. But then look what he says next. Verse three, at the same time, Pray also for us. Who is us? Well, it's him and his folks accompanying him as they church plant and travel and then circle back and equip elders and strengthen the churches and, and preach and teach and, and all of those things, right? That's, that's us. He says, at the same time, pray also for us. And here's what he asks for prayer regarding. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ 
on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it, that is, this, this mystery, clear. And then he says, which is how I ought to speak. So pray first in general, but pray first for gospel advancement. Now, Paul speaks of um, wanting to declare the mystery of Christ. Uh, look, if you're in Colossians, go back to chapter 1 for a minute. Colossians 1. I'm going to start reading at verse 25. He says there, Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 25. I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Paul's mystery there. Um, it's called a mystery because the saints and prophets of the Old Testament, they, they didn't know it. It's not a mystery like, okay, there's clues and you got to go hunt and try to, you know, discover this. It's called a mystery because they didn't understand until Christ came. And Paul says, this mystery is why I've been called. And it's this, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? We speak of, as Christians, we have Jesus in us. That's it. Christ in you. And what does it mean to have Jesus in you? Hope. The hope of glory. This is, this is the glorious thing. When, when we hit our knees, literally maybe or figuratively, and call out to God and say, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I've, I've not lived the way you call me to. I admit I can't do what you call me to. And I, I need Jesus, like I mentioned already the one who lived the life we can't live, the one who took our place to forgive our sins. And when we call out and say, God, I, I receive you. I want you in my life, right, to receive Jesus. However we word those things, we, we get him and it's the hope of glory. And Paul says, this is what I'm all about. This is why I was called to be an apostle and, and chosen to make this known. So now go back to four, chapter four. Pray for us, pray for gospel advancement because he says, pray that there would be an open door for sharing this word, this good news, this mystery. And this is why he says, I'm in prison. He was literally in prison as he's writing this letter. And then that phrase, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So, so important. And yet again, the application, folks, is to us, right? We, we don't need to pray for the Apostle Paul <laughs> anymore. He's not worried about making known the mystery clearly any longer. He, he's with the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. But we can, we can make an application to us as a church. We can make an application. Uh, I can ask you, if you ever want to know how to pray for me, this would be a great one. Pray that as I stand up here and teach, that I would be able to proclaim the gospel clearly, which is how I ought to. Please pray this way, but not just for me. 
We need to pray this for each other, for ourselves. We need to pray, God, would you open doors for me to share the good news, make the mystery of the gospel, Christ in us. And it's, it's mysterious to people. What? A, de- a guy lived 2,000 years ago and he's alive, he rose, and now he's at the right hand of the Father, but he's also in us? Well, it's really this Holy Spirit, but the writers speak of it being Christ. Uh, yeah, yes, it's all that. And, and we, we are following Jesus still. Jesus of Nazareth, yeah. The rabbi from 2,000 years ago, yeah, that, that same one. We, we still follow him. He, his word tells us how to. Like, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. We need wisdom to declare this, um, which is how we, we ought to speak. Uh, there's a writer named Joe Bailey, and he has a book called I Love to Tell the Story. And he shares a quote. Um, he saw some graffiti on a wall at, at St. John's University in Minnesota. And this is what the graffiti said. Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? And they replied, well, you are the eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being, the kerygma in which we find the ultimate meaning of our interpersonal relationships. And Jesus said, what? Right, that, that, that's not proclaiming clearly the mystery. That, that, that's nonsense, even if you have an education. Um, we, we need to, to make this, this message clear. Pray for gospel advancement. But, but let me actually hit the pause button a second and go backwards. We, we need to pray like Paul is asking for prayer for our churches and leaders, um, speakers, preachers, pastors, and for ourselves. But um, some of you will remember Neil Brower. Neil was our district superintendent um, for almost nine years. Um, and about 10 years ago is when he came on as our district. And Neil has since um, uh, transitioned and retired. But, but Neil, one of the things he brought to us as a church, some of you might remember, uh, a workshop called Pray and Watch. And, and one of the verses that Neil talked about over and over again is this verse that's on the screen. John chapter 6, verse 44. This is where your prayer for gospel advancement begins. Because Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So if we're praying for clear speech as we tell someone about Jesus and and open doors like we're being called to pray, we need to first be praying, God, unless you draw this person that I love and I'm thinking about, this coworker, this neighbor, this classmate, um, if you don't draw them, then this other stuff won't do anything. So pray for gospel advancement, but start here, John 644. And then pray for an open door for the word. But here's a great thing. I, I read this one, one writer wrote. As, as we pray and, and look for open doors, and that is like, you know, open doors of communication, we also need to respect closed doors. Because <laughs> some people don't have an open door, right? Some people's like, they've got fortress doors. And if we're just trying to speak the word, speak the word, like it's, it's not going to go very well. So pray for God to draw. 
pray for open doors, but respect when people aren't ready to talk. Respect closed doors. So again, just in your mind for a minute, are you praying like this? Am I praying like this? We are being called here to pray, to be devoted in general to prayer, to be watchful and expectant and looking for Jesus' return and to be thankful in general. We're being called to pray that way. We're being called to pray for gospel advancement, for open doors of communication, for the ability to speak clearly. And that does take a little bit of thought. I, I, one of the ministries that I would recommend to you is called Stand to Reason. They're an apologetics ministry based out of Orange County. Um, they have different podcasts, and uh, Greg Kokel is the founder, and he's written some great books. Um, I just got um, this week uh, a, a letter. We, we give a little bit to them and our family, and, and this letter is all about um, being thoughtful with our questions. And so we can ask someone, do you believe in God? And if they respond yes, then we can follow up with, well, what kind of God do you believe in? Um, why do you believe in God? Do you identify with any organized religious group? In other words, be thoughtful, be prepared, have some questions in mind as you engage. Or if you say, do you believe in God? And they say, no. So then you can have some follow-up questions. Well, why don't you believe in God? That's a fair question to, ha to ask. Um, well, who do you think Jesus is? Um, what are your reasons for that? And then, again, this little, again, there's a few other things, but I, I just thought the timing of that was great. Like, to be watchful and to be ready for an open door means we, we're ready, we're prepared um, when we can be. So how are your prayers matching up to this? Pray first. In general, pray first for gospel advancement. But um, we also need to talk uh, a little bit. And talk second is what we see. So verses five and six, as I pointed out, the verb actually is walk in wisdom, continue in, uh, live this way. But look what he says. Walk in wisdom. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now we may hear that term outsider and think it's a bit harsh. Um, he, he simply saying people that, that don't believe, they haven't professed faith. You all, I, we all have people in our life that according to this are outsiders. We need to be wise in how we go before them. There needs to be wisdom in, in how we interact. And he says then make, make the best use of the time. Make the best use of the time. And, and then he, he talks about speech. And this is why, again, even though the verb speaks of living, how you live, um, we do have to talk to people. <laughs> Some of us wish we didn't, but we do. So verse six, let your speech always be gracious. Dallas Willard, famous writer, he defines grace as God working in and through us to accomplish what we cannot do by our own ability. God working in and through us to do and to accomplish what we cannot do on our own ability. So is, is our speech, speech gracious? God, would you work in my speech? Because I, when I talk, I am always showering my foot in my mouth. Or God, I'm always offending someone. 
help me in my speech. And so again, there's a prayer there too, but um, our speech needs to be gracious. Speech that builds up, that encourages. There's a place for truth. We're to speak the truth in love. Jesus came full of grace and truth. But here, as we think about living wisely with those who don't believe, um, our speech, what we talk about, it needs to be filled with, with grace. But Paul's not done. He says, secondly, your speech, second part of verse 6, needs to be seasoned with salt. It is one of the worst things in the world when you go to a Mexican restaurant and they put the basket of chips in front of you and the salsa and you grab that chip and you dip it maybe or you just want to, you know, the pure, you know, chip and there's no salt on it, right? It's just horrible. It just sticks to your mouth and there's no flavor and, and start looking around and why don't they have salt on tables anymore? Uh, well, anyway, they're slowly returning the salt to places again. Um, you understand my point. Even if you're, you, know, you don't eat a lot of salt or your tastes are different, we, we understand. That, and that's the picture. Yes, in the first century, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers. So salt was used to preserve, definitely, definitely. Um, but I want us to think about the idea of seasoning because they did use salt for seasoning too, which is typically what we do. Our speech needs to be gracious speech, but Paul says it needs to be seasoned with salt. And then the phrase at the end, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, so um, next time you add some salt to your chips, or if you're at home today and you're making something and you put some salt in, let it remind you, I'm, I'm supposed to you know, not be too salty. There's nothing worse than too much salt, and you, you know, but, but the right amount. And, and the way we talk to people, is it, is it good? Do we have gracious speech, seasoned speech? And yes, preserving speech. Um, last week, Jeremiah talked to us about that. Um, his line, and, and I know a couple of you were convicted by it, that, that too often we can spend too much time trying to pray Christians out of heaven instead of praying those yet to believe out of hell. And so, like, in other words, the stakes are huge. Eternity, heaven, hell, okay? Um, so, so we need to have speech where we, we proclaim this gospel. We proclaim this mystery um, to people. But again, that gets us back to praying first, talking second. And with that, I, I want to shift to a specific uh, application of this as we prepare to wrap up this morning. Again, in general, yes, pray first, talk second. It'll, it'll help you in your marriage. It'll help you with your kids. It'll help you kids with your parents. It'll help you at work. If, if you learn to, God, I need help because I want to, you know, react. So help me and then talk. So remember, that's a tool in general for you, free of charge uh, to have. But as we are thinking about positioning ourselves for transformation, living this year in a way that we are morphing into that butterfly that God is making us into, being shaped and formed into the image of Christ. Prayer is part of that. And learning to pray the way the scriptures teach is a big part of that. So praying first, seeking God's face, being watchful, being thankful, 
praying for gospel advancement, praying for God to draw people, and then speaking. Speech that is gracious, speech that is seasoned with salt. So I'm going to show a video on the screen. It's just about a minute long, and it'll, it'll make sense, and it'll be clear enough to you. So take a look. Numbers. We live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything, and sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one co-worker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before, but it all starts with one. I've got my one, and now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? So who's your one? Who's the one person? If God was to answer your prayer today and, and with a yes, who's the one that you are asking God to draw to himself? John 6, 44. For, for ask, asking God to give them the gift of faith to respond, to believe in Jesus. Who's your one? Uh, we're gonna try to keep reminding you uh, of this uh, in the days and weeks to come. We, we need to be a people uh, that pray, that pray first, that speak second, um, that, that are living on the word of God. But, and then again, this is a bit of a mini preview toward next week, what we'll see in the early church. We need to be people that are um, expressing the hope and, and seeing God work. And it starts with prayer. So who's your one? I'd invite you to stand. We're gonna close with a song inviting Christ, who is in us, the hope of glory, our Savior, to be all around us as we live and wake and go. Uh, but before we sing that, um, who's your one? And so um, I'm going to start us in a prayer and then just say the name, just, just the first name of the person who's your one, who, if God were to answer your prayer today, yes, would, would come to know Jesus and keep praying for that one. And again, we'll, we'll keep talking about that to come in the week. So Father in heaven, now we, we come to you and I pray we'd have ears to hear and respond to your word from Colossians. I pray we would be a people that pray first and talk second as it relates especially and specifically to sharing you. So now, Father, we're thinking about one name and maybe we've got 10 names, honestly, Lord, that Maybe it's three, maybe it's two, but God, if, if, if you would now, as you hear us, just name these names. God, would you draw this name to Jesus? We, we give you these names now. And so church, just say the names. Will. Who's the one? Just say the name. Father, would you help us to pray, to be watchful, to keep asking you. And God, it can feel discouraging sometimes, Lord. We want to 
share, we want to have a conversation, and, and sometimes it feels like there are no open doors. It feels like only closed doors. So help us to pray for you to draw these names. Help, help us to pray and be watchful and look for opportunities to share the mystery, which is how we ought to speak. But we need you to work. We need to be aware that as your sons and daughters, you are with us and you are all around us. So now hear this song of confession and prayer in Jesus' name.